Inverse Genius episode 59, Fortnightly Twisted Prince. In this episode, Donald Bruce and Sean Torrens talk about Hot Wheels, Twisted Metal, 3D Printing, Peacemaker, and Mascot Card. Hey, did you know you can go over to podpledge.com and search for Inverse Genius and you'll see our Podpledge page. All that money goes to help support the ongoing podcasting costs. We truly appreciate it. Thanks. Genius Fortnightly, the show where once every eh, approximately two weeks we talk to you about things that are uh, important to us, or at least things that we're excited about. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm Bruce. Uh, they've decided Bruce should start this one out, so uh, since I'm the only one that we have, I'm going to do that. Joining me on the show is Donald. Donald, how are you doing? Hello, everybody. I'm doing pretty good on this frosty South Carolina morning. That's a set of words you don't normally get to say together. Nope. Pretty much people are over here uh, drinking all the milk, eating all the bread, and driving into ditches. Oh, nice. See, in Maryland, we take the milk and the bread and we form it into a paste we use to melt the snow. Oh, that would not work at all. But okay. you got to salt that, that bread. That old bay, man. Yep. Oh, oh, okay. That'll do it. Old bay <laughs> will melt anything. Exactly. Exactly. But let's bring on, let's bring on the third voice here. One of my dear friends here in South Carolina, also having to suffer through uh, what I like to call a mild frost, uh, Sean Torrance. Hey, Sean. Hi there. Hi, Sean. How you doing? I'm good, sir. I'm good. And Bruce, uh, very good to be on a podcast with you for the first time. This is exciting. Thank you so much. There's not much to it. You've pretty much, you've seen it all now. It's just, it's a little bit of yelling at the beginning. Right. Uh, and, and you learn, as a matter of fact, Sean, you did exactly what I do. You just have to turn yourself down a little bit, and then you can yell as much as you want. You don't hit either end of the uh, of the spectrum. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's all it is. That's all it takes. That's why in the beginning you were like, Bruce, I can't quite hear you, because I knew at some point I'd yell. And uh, <laughs> I, I had to look you up after having listened to your voice for many, many times, um, because in my mind, I pictured you as Bruce Valanche. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, now, what I'd like you, if you're going to re- remember me as Bruce Valanche, which I'm fine with, yes, um, give me the Bruce Valanche that was like Whoopi Goldberg's friend on Hollywood Squares. I want that Bruce Valanche. I had as- you as just the head in Ice Pirates. Uh, you know, I guess I'll take that. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, <laughs> I was really only asking for like shoulders. So <laughs> if where we're settling is a just head, that's okay. Nice. <laughs> that's very exciting. What have you all been up to uh, that you're not going to talk about as your main thing lately? Uh, Bruce, I know that you've been doing strange things um, either to cards or to bits. I'm not sure which. Uh, so let's let's do the short thing is to bits. I'd rather talk about the cards in length. Right. Uh, I have been playing uh, Hot Wheels Unleashed, the new arcade racing game uh, from the fine folks at Hot Wheels. Uh, here's everything I'll say. There are two types of Hot Wheels video games. There are video games that understand you're a Hot Wheels car, and they play with that. So if you're driving by a boombox, it's like two stories tall. And then there are ones that think it's just a car game. Any of them that are just a car game are bad because they forget you're a Hot Wheel. (laughs) Uh, This game is amazing because it very much remembers you're a Hot Wheel. This game is, at its core, trying to be the Super Smash Brothers of arcade racers. I currently have a garage that has uh, James Bond's uh, DB7, the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles van, the Batmobile kit, 
Uh, and then a bunch of cars that were kind of made famous, if you know about Hot Wheels stuff, like the Twin Mill, and I can't remember what the what the one that's covered in like skulls is. But it's amazing. Everything, you're definitely very small. You're running through huge environments that run you like over couches and under pool tables and up into the uh, ventilation system of a college. And uh, it's great. And they really are trying to get like every car. Like I have, I didn't even know Barbie owned a camper van, but I have Barbie's camper van and it's very slow and can't win races, but I like seeing it in my garage of cars. So I would say if you're out there, if you like like that kind of old school, like cruising um, or maybe outrun is in the same kind of genre. If you like those racing uh, like arcade style games where it's very, very, very much not a simulation. Uh, there's a lot of content to the game. There's a lot going on. They're adding all kinds of extra stuff. Check out Hot Wheels Unleashed. Um, I have it on the Switch, so it just looks like a good video game. If you have it on something like the Xbox, it looks like you're literally playing in Toy Story. Uh, which is super impressive uh, to the point where if you flip a car over on the bottom, it actually has like the printed serial number in the metal, like a hot wheel would have. Uh, mm -hmm. So they did a really great job. You definitely feel like a hot wheel at all times. Just a super fun game. Check it out. Hot wheels unleashed. Wow. Yeah. The, the only hot wheel story I've got is uh, uh, besides my mom gave all of mine away the year before I decided that I was going to start playing Gaslands. Um, oh. was that, uh, they were cleaning out uh, a great aunt of mine's house after she passed, and they found one of the original Herbie Lovebug Hot Wheels in package, mint condition. And my nephew was there with him, so they popped it open and gave it to him, and he had it destroyed within 18 minutes. <laughs> so, Oh my god, the collector in me hurts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so... That's so anyway, love Hot Wheels stuff. Um, and also, uh, you know, talking about retro games, oh, years back, there was a Nerf shooter game, right? Where it was a video game where you were doing Nerf weapons. That was my favorite shooter for about two years was uh, <laughs> play, playing the Nerf shooter. Of course, I'm not good in any shooters, really. So uh, your mileage may vary with that. But uh, And they have put a new one out. There is a new Nerf shooter on the Switch, at least. I have not tried it, but I know it exists. I'm not going to get a switch. I'm not going to get a switch. I'm not going to get a switch. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh. You can We're just going to go make you go out back and pick one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, that's what the, the switches I grew up with. Don't you doubt it. Uh, Sean, have you been up to anything except for what you're all excited to talk about? Um, I, I just want to tap on to, uh, to uh, Bruce's idea there, the, the, the Hot Wheels thing. Mine would have to be Twisted Metal. I just, Ooh, yes. I love oh, Lord, I love that game. My friends and I, we played it in college, Twisted Metal 2 specifically. We mm -hmm. played it nonstop in college, and we got so good at it that we would play it co-op, um, and you only had three lives between you, and we knew we'd have to lose one on the second one. Um, it was in like a Russia uh, Thunderdome kind of setting. There was You weren't going to get through that without losing a guy, but then we'd get through the rest of it. And then we got so good at it that we only took out sweet tooth using machine guns like the final boss we would only use machine guns on him and just run away and heal up and then machine gun him and that was that would, yeah and then we just and it was randomized cars oh my god i love that game i do too now you're playing that on the playstation right yeah 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 uh, of course what was your favorite character this can be our hey we all talk about the same thing at once since it sounds like we're all familiar with it uh, <laughs> what, what, what was your favorite character in the, um, uh, shoot, what was his name? The, uh, the, the, the hearse that shot the like corpse thing. Oh, out yes. The shadow, shadow. I think his name shadow. 
Mm. Bruce? I, I want to say, and I'm looking right now, I can't remember the name of the motorcycle. The black motorcycle. Yes, the uh, the guy had opened his helmet and he just a skull in there. Yeah, he was like uh, he was like um, uh, Ghost Rider. Yeah, and that's what I, at the time that was what I liked about. It. I was like, he's kind of like Ghost Rider, but he was so. I've always in games like that, I like having the quick character that can kind of run, take off, come in again, barrage again, take off. Mister Grim. Yes, that that was it. Um, mine was Spectre. Um, oh, Spectre was cool. Shoot through the walls and stuff. Yeah, homing missiles that shot through the walls because I, once again, I think we've covered this. I'm really bad at shooters. And so <laughs> anything with a guided component made it entirely possible for me to not suck. You're that, and, you're that turtle uh, shell guy in Mario Kart. I, uh, I will not deny that. If, if I played Mario Kart, that would probably, oh, I actually I used to play Mario Kart. Sure. Yes, that yeah. is me. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I love that. And I liked uh, Twisted Metal Black, uh, which uh, I, I could have yeah, done without. Great. All of the skip scenes, all all of the all of the, uh, the the movies, but the gameplay in Twisted Metal Black was so amazing. Um, I turned the volume up way too loud, and the <laughs> windows would be shaking on the house. So, um, there's but, also uh, I'm I'm going back to look at the characters real quick. I forgot about Axel. Axel is just a human strapped to two giant tires. Yes, yes. That needs to be a Hot Wheels car. You're like, how does he even weapon? Um, he explodes. He's got an area of effect, basically yeah. a great big fart. And he had uh, he had missiles that shot out of the the. He was like a Tie Fighter. Uh, he had a, he had missiles that shot off the the hubs or the window uh, the wheels. Oh, now you're gonna make me pull that out and put it on an emulator somewhere and go play it again. I just we're gonna I'm gonna figure out how to print one of these things. And we'll we'll play it at Castlands. Nice. <laughs> yes. Right. And there were some there were some really neat characters. Yeah, I guess that was back when the Humvee was super. Uh, super being popular. So I guess what was it? Was it hammerhead? Yep. Was the, was the big that, and then you had the cop, um, outlaw. There you go. I was thinking, I'm yes, looking at a list. I don't want you to think that these are things I'm recalling. <laughs> He's anymore. just naming them off. Yeah. I'm literally looking at a list of them trying to right, remember which fine. one was I the, will... uh, which one was the motorcycle. And I believe outlaw's ability was to, uh, freeze you, which is ironic because it's freeze or I'll shoot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Grasshopper was great. Oh, <laughs> just shoot right at you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wait, well, I thought, was Grasshopper not the one that had the tornado? I thought one of them had a tornado. Uh, no, I thought Grasshopper had a, had an ability where he'd actually jump up and slam you with the front of his car. Oh, maybe that was it. I don't know. Anyway, obviously I need to play this again. Yes. Um, and the killer is the through line you see ends up getting you to, oh God, what is it called? The one that's just cars playing soccer. Uh, oh yeah. My, my cousin plays that all the time. Oh, I see him oh, walking right in. now. Yeah. Um, Rocket League. That's yeah. It. Rocket League, I think is probably the thing in the current environment that most looks like, you know, like what twisted metal would become that yeah. idea of it just being like arena combat, but also with cars. And we have yeah. to put sports into it so that the tough guys like it. Yeah. Well, okay. So if you took if you took Twisted Metal, or I mean, sorry, if you took Rocket League and you combine it with Fortnite, you'd pretty much get Twisted Metal. That, that is yeah, absolutely that is what you'd end up with. And then I don't know if any of you remember. Did anybody try Critical Depth, the one that was Twisted Metal but underwater? No, I hadn't even heard of that one. It was uh, horrible. 
Because <laughs> the thing with Twisted Metal was, if you remember, is Twisted Metal was best when it was smallest. So if you were in one of the really trapped arenas, it meant that you had to fight. Yep. Uh, with the water, <laughs> there were a full three dimensions. So you could just hide low or hide high or go behind a barrier reef. or like, And like you could just not find somebody for 20 minutes. And you would see the, the level hadn't ended. So you knew you did not kill anybody. But you're like, where could they even be? So you're just like shooting rockets into the darkness because it was a game where they were like, no, but we wanted to really feel like submarine combat. And that was a horrible idea. Okay. Yes. But on the other hand, if you go towards the other direction and I can't remember what the first game was called, but the Snoopy version of it was Snoopy flying ace. um, That is basically twisted metal airplanes uh, with world war one style airplanes and Snoopy flying ace was an amazing an amazing variant on that whole, uh, you've got weird weapons you're strapping to things, moving around and blowing stuff up. Nice. Maybe, Don, maybe Don's dating like, himself with his uh, 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 World War One references. <laughs> oh. Oh. Also, coincidentally, just to time, I'm going to put a loop back on it. One of the cars you can get in the Hot Wheels game is Snoopy Flying Ace. <gasps> Snoopy Flying Ace beat me in a race. I was the Batmobile. And I was like, what is this? And all of a sudden you just see like this and it doesn't look like Snoopy with ears flapping. It's the Snoopy Hot Wheel car just passes me by at the finish line. Oh, I had the Snoopy Hot Wheel car and the Woodstock Hot Wheel car. They haven't put Woodstock in yet, but they keep adding stuff like every two or three months. They're like, here's, you know, like eight new free cars and then you can buy 10 more cars. And then we made a whole new level for you. Um, but yeah, the stuff they've pulled in from other parts of popular culture has been pretty impressive. The only thing they're missing right now is the Ecto-1, and I would guess that's going to be in one of the new things, because they have the DeLorean already. So when the, when, when the Ghostbusters movie gets released to video... I'm inclined to believe, or it's going to be Batman was the first big world where like you could... When you play the game and you go through the levels, you go through like Hot Wheels Town... Mm-hmm. Uh, like you would have built as a kid and you go through Hot Wheels Town in complete races and then it's literally like it looks like a map you travel by map like the Muppets and they added a Batman world so I wouldn't be shocked if world number two uh, coinciding with the release of the movie to home video which is what we'll call it um, being like a Ghostbusters world wouldn't blow my mind gotcha I didn't know they did different worlds. So, yeah, pretty much all I've heard from you previously was it's a game where you're a Hot Wheels and you get a bunch of different cars. So tell us just a little bit more before we move on to whatever Sean's going to tell us about. Okay, so the uh, final thing I will tell you about uh, the Hot Wheels game is uh, that essentially everything is one of two types of races. It's either a race where you're trying to beat other cars to become the first place car, or it's a time trial where you're trying to beat uh, the time on the track. This is where the game is lacking. I would love to see some other modes where it's like run cars off the road or uh, a pursuit level where you're trying to catch a car, that kind of stuff, just because car video games have kind of moved in that direction. So I would love to see Hot Wheels come with it. Past that, it is vehicles set up in a real world. Uh, Part of the things that you have of your customization is you actually have your own little house. So you can actually like put things you've won in your house. So in future races, your cars run around like the bowling trophy you chose and that kind of stuff. Hmm. Um, It's just a lot of fun. You just keep completing races. You have five like boss races. And when you beat the boss cars, you unlock more stuff you have. They, uh, the game has the like open up a special box and get a prize 
element to it. So sometimes you can get cars that way. Uh, they've even done the Hot Wheels collectible thing of what are called uh, treasure hunt cars, which is if you're in the actual store, there'll be like a gold colored version of the car. And there's one of them for like every 128 of the car. So you will see people, you know, aged 40 elbowing each other at a Walmart trying to find the treasure hunt cars <laughs> in the game. They'll pop up every so often. You have a little shop you can go into if you pay attention to the shop sometimes. Really great cars are hidden there, very cheap. If you'll just look every cycle, you'll be able to get it. So they've added sort of like the collecting element of collecting Hot Wheels cars. They've made the scale correct so that you're running around like trying not to get hit by pool balls and stuff. The only thing it's lacking is if you're a real big race fan, I would like to have seen more than just time trials or races. But past that, you're in a little town. You're unlocking different things on the map. As you complete a race, you unlock more races, and you're just trying to run your way through the entire town until you eventually go over to Gotham if you paid the extra money, and then wash, rinse, and repeat in Gotham. Uh, so yeah, a lot of fun. Super cool. Uh, well worth checking out if that's the sort of game that you like. Nice. Well, I know we were going to have you go first, and that wasn't your actual pick, but we'll come back to you after Sean. Okay. <laughs> Sean. Hi. What, what do you have that you're excited about these days? Um, I am really, really into 3D printing now. Um, mm-hmm. And nice. that, that being specifically resin 3D printing. Um, one of the things I've, I've... So when I was a kid, of course, I'm in my 50s now. And when I first got my first D&D figures in the 70s, the idea of being able to create my own figures in my own house um, from constant, not, not, I'm not an artist by any means, but to take someone else's thing and print it out and have a figure is so cool to me. And uh, it's, it's like hitting all of these things that I didn't realize I needed to have. So this all started because during the pandemic, I was, needing to use my hands. I, I wasn't getting a chance to get together with my friends and play board games, but I realized I needed to use my hands in some way. So I went really heavily into painting again. I, I, I bought a bunch of paints and a bunch of uh, things for painting. My, my wife got me an airbrush for that Christmas uh, of, of 2020. Yeah, 2020. And uh, I subscribed to a bunch of you know, 3D, not 3D printing, but um, miniature painting things, uh, Facebook groups and stuff like that, just to inverse or just kind of soak myself in it. And I was getting my oil changed at my car one day and I was looking through them and somebody said, hey, I'm looking to get 3D printing. Uh, What printer do you recommend? And I said, oh, let me read this article. I read this thread. And this guy talked about the the Elegoo Mars and that it was only like $200. And I said, what, what? That And then I looked at the quality of what was coming off an Elegoo Mars, and I'm like, okay, it's finally met the price and the um, quality have finally, that, that Venn diagram has finally arrived at where I live. Okay. Um, and so I, I texted my family. I'm like, I think I'm going to get into 3D printing. Like just sitting at the, at the place waiting for my oil change. Um, and I did a bunch of research and right there, just bought one from Amazon and bought a bottle of resin and totally wasn't ready for all of the things that come with it. <laughs> and that was May of this year. So May of 2021. Last year, um, yes. And or yeah, that, that last year. <laughs> um, I'm still writing 2021 on stuff. So to me, it's still 2021. Um, and then here we are now in 2022. I own three printers. I have a fourth on the way. Um, and I'm running an Etsy store only because, uh, 
my coworkers like, wow, you should, you should run an Etsy store. I'm like, I don't really want to like, you know, get involved in it, but I like the act of printing. I like the act of creating something and then pulling all the supports off and looking at this model and being like, that's so amazing. Look at the detail on this. And then I put it in a box and I ship it away rather than having a pile of unprinted minis that was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Cause I was having more fun printing them than painting them at that point. <laughs> mm. Um, and this allows me to sell it, get more resin so I can keep doing it. So basically, um, Etsy is an enabler for me. Um, and and it pays for your hobby. It pays for my hobby. And my, my hobby is not the, is not the, you know, I'm not doing it to make money. I mean, I am making some, some profit on it. Yay. But ultimately it's pay for the next bottle of resin so I can print new stuff. And, uh, I've, I've now subscribed to, I think I'm up to 22 different Patreons that I'm a member of. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Um, All right. I, have to, I have to pay $528 and 69 cents a month to be the merchant level of all of those Patreons. Um, but I still make enough to clear that every month. Wow. Um, but it's all I do. I mean, honestly, it's my, it's my second job at this point. I come home uh, from my regular job by nine to five. And then I immediately, I, you know, I get some dinner and I come in here and I'm here in here till like 10 or 11 o'clock. Um, all right. Well, we'll let our listeners know real quick where they can go on Etsy and find your stuff. I know that's not, not exactly why you showed up, but it is not God, why I showed up. And I wasn't going to say that. So, um, but if you would like to see it, my, my shop is called Bobble Buyer, B-A-U-B-L-E. B U Y E R, like I'm buying a bobble because that's what it is. Um, bobble buyers, 3D prints. Um, just put in bobble buyer and you should find it. Um, and it'll, it'll, uh, it'll be in the show notes probably. So, uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and then uh, I just broke a thousand sales. I've been running the shop since July. Huh? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's going really well. And, uh, I get 200 new models every month and I have to figure out, okay, what do I want to put up? What, what seems to be selling well, what do I want to see? So I offer this thing called a mystery box and I have the, the <laughs> customer pay me seven fifty, but I give them $15 worth of models. And it's just so I can print something I haven't seen yet and take photos of it and then send it to them. They open it up. I don't post it on my shop until a couple of days after it's been delivered to them. And then I put it as a listing on my shop. And I already have a photo of it now, but I've already made the sale on it. So it's already out the door. Um, so I just did one recently that was a huge quest board that was, I mean, it's in a 28 millimeter scale, normal D&D scale. Um, the thing stands like three and a half inches tall and it has mm-hmm. all these arrows and, and daggers, you know, shoved, shoved in pieces of paper that you can paint all up for all these quests that you can, your party could go to. Oh, it's just so cool. And it's the detail, the, the level of detail that's coming out of these prints is so amazing. Like the, you know, you can pick out the buttons and the, on, and the, the fur on this guy's cloak. And um, I've got a little um, strong man here from a carnival set. And uh, you can, you can see the little, uh, little, his belt buckle and mm-hmm. he's got a, a handlebar mustache and you can work, look at the, the muscles in his legs and arms. And I'm just like, this is so crazy. Cause one of the things about FDM printing, so the, the filament printing was that it had to go everywhere. Um, yeah, and yeah. it took forever to do it. And then you got these layer lines. Um, one of the things about resin is it doesn't matter how many you put on the plate because it's going to do them all at the same time. Um, so you, uh, you, you can do a, a whole bunch at one time and really it's the height of it that really matters. 
Um, Donald? Yeah, yeah. So if you're, yeah. Yeah. So if you're doing a bunch of stuff where um, they're all, you know, like 10 millimeters tall, then, then that's fine. It's going to, it's going to take that fixed amount of time versus, oh, you're doing stuff that's all 30 millimeters tall, but or not 30. That, that would be a very large, I guess that would only be no, 30 millimeters. millimeters. That's, that's, that's a, that's a standard fig. 28 to 30 is yeah. a standard D and D size. And so, um, but I, I was going to say is that we did a, a episode for, I think it was for the Sinver's Genius podcast a long time ago when filament printing was the only at home choice, mm-hmm. the FDM stuff. And, you know, back then even you were worried about, oh my gosh, the toxic fumes from using um, a particular kind of filament versus the kind that is more commonly used now right. and so forth and so on. Um, and stuff took forever because it is literally drawing this line of glue. It's like you were making your miniatures out of pancakes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or whatever. And now since it's a, a, a liquid medium and you're flashing it with light, it can be a little bit more precise and it's much smaller of a layer height that it's just amazing how much home fabrication has come. And when you were talking about when I was back in blah, 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 I was, I was thinking, yeah, the second we got into uh, my freshman year of college in uh, Star Trek, the next generation came out. There's some math for y'all um, <laughs> that uh, they had their, uh, um, their matter replicators that they were creating yes. stuff out of. And you're like, one day we will have yes. this. And we're very close to having that. And we, are. And we sort of do. The, the big, the, the common sellers, I've got them pre-plated. So when an order comes in, I just drop it on the plate, push the button, send it over to the, put it on flash drive, bring it over to the printer, push the button and go on and do something else. So I'm, I'm, I'm constantly doing this and I've got a pile of gray resin stuff in front of me. Now you were talking about the toxicity of it. I do want to, you know, caution the viewers that this is not something you want to get into lightly. Um, this stuff is toxic. It is a monomer. Uh, so we talk about polymers being a plastic. Uh, polymer is a bunch of monomer groups that are linked together. I'm going to do a little science on you here. Um, so the, the the resin goo, the gravy that you put in this vat is a bunch. All, all it is is a bunch of monomers. But UV light makes them link together and become polymers and become polymer chains. Um, but it is pretty toxic. In fact, I've had to. I, I had a second. Um, little hobby was I maintained a saltwater fish tank. And now I'm too concerned about putting my hands and having any amount of resin in there because it's supposed to be very toxic to an aquatic environment. So I pretty much give it up on my saltwater fish tank and I'm just kind of letting them live their life out and doing very little to take care of it at this point, because I'm going to get rid of it um, because I'm having so much fun with this and I don't want to do an extra amount of work in the tank and, and, and cause them undue death. Um, but at the same time, uh, it is toxic. Uh, so I do have, um, you know, gloves. I initially, when I did it, the first time I did it, I went overboard. I had my lab coat from work. I brought home, <laughs> I had gloves. I had, uh, a, a N95 respirator with the big pink cartridges on the side. So I looked like yeah. something out of like RoboCop or something. Um, and then I had my safety goggles on as well. And I was like, look, I look like I was about to do, I was going to the COVID ward, um, to, to work. And, uh, over time I've started realizing, okay, I just need gloves at this point. I'm, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you gotta have some, uh, some, uh, and it can't be latex gloves. It needs to be nitrile gloves because the latex, it will actually, the resin will actually just kind of go through the latex and still get to your skin. Um, some people have a, an allergic reaction to it. They can break out in hives. What it happens to me is all the skin on my f- first 
finger and thumb starts to just slough off. And it's like, like I got a, a skin, uh, sun, suntan sunburn. And it just, I lose that top layer of skin for a while and it grows back. But if I wear the gloves, I don't have that problem. And then I'm washing it in 99%, um, pure isopropyl alcohol. Um, and then that stuff, when that's done, I take it out and I put it in a, like a turkey baster pan, pour it out in the, into that when it's, when I'm used it up and it's just, it's super saturated with resin. Um, and I can't get them, I can't get the pieces clean anymore. I just put it outside and then it evaporates, um, in, in the open air. And then what's left, I can kind of pile up and keep it in the sun and let it cure. And then just put it, I can dispose of it normally. So the resin part parts won't separate out. They won't, they won't slough to the bottom and then you can use the re- refurb the liquid. So I have, I have seen a bunch of videos and posts that say that, and I have tried multiple times to do that to no success. Um, I bought a bunch of Tupperware containers and things from Walmart to do just that. And all it means is I ruin a bunch of Tupperware containers. Um, cause I just can't seem to get it clean enough. Um, and it like, coats the outside or insides of them. I just, I haven't had it work. So unfortunately it's just an expense I consider myself and um, I buy them in gallon jugs. It's, it's been fun to watch as I've had to kind of scale up the whole thing. Um, like the reason I have three printers is because I had one printer and then that little Mars printer, which is really nice, but it, the plate on it is about the, um, it's like a three, three by five card. That's six inches tall. That's, that's the most I could print. Mm. Um, and I, I had models that I was getting that I couldn't print like a giant. I c- just couldn't figure out a way to angle it to get it on the plate to, to print it. Because these aren't things you can just pop on the plate. You have to support them. And uh, then those supports have to be pulled off. Um, so I went and got the next boy up called the Saturn, Elegoo Saturn. And um, I was printing perfectly off that. And then uh, Black Friday hit. And I was running some sales <laughs> in my store and suddenly realized... I'm never going to get these printed at this speed. So I bought a second Elegoo Saturn uh, on Black Friday. So now they're running parallel with each other, just constantly going. Um, I use the Mars just to do um, like clear resins and things like that. So like specialty jobs um, or backups. Uh, like I, I broke a piece and I need, I need to print that real quick. I just throw it on the Mars real quick because it's not doing anything else. It's just ready to do um, repairs. And then um, I have a the biggest one called the Elegoo Jupiter that I kickstarted, and that will arrive in uh, March and is about the size of an armored beer fridge from uh, Car Wars. So <laughs> it, it's a it's a massive beast. Way to that bring it back I, around. Yeah, you like that? I just, yeah, that's, that's classic. Um, I will say, and one thing is that this is still a developing technology. So yeah. in three years, five years, 10 years, you will see changes in materials. You'll see changes in resolution. You'll see changes in the math that people use to do their supports and stuff like that. So not everybody needs to jump in and buy four resin printers at once right now. Um, because you might find, Hey, we're going to get the small one and have fun with it and just buy the big pieces from Sean or whatever. But, um, that, that expect things to change because I've seen that there are now some pretty decent water washable resins where, like you yep. said, you're doing everything isopropyl, blah, blah, blah. So, um, the and I started with those. I, I did start with the water washable resins. The problem with water washable resins as a, as my, my main job is I am the water manager for the environmental program in my County. 
Um, so I was very aware of, of, you know, I'm trying to be as environmentally friendly as possible, obviously. So I went with a water washable resin, but the water washable resin doesn't mean you do it in the sink. Um, and that's a, that's a uh, issue that a lot of people think is that, oh, it's water washable. I'll just do it in the sink and wash it down the drain. Absolutely not. So the water washable resin that you do wash with eventually does also become super saturated, saturated with the resin. And then you have to dispose of that like a hazardous waste. So I was having to pour this stuff into uh, gallon milk jugs and my wife had some uh, like iced coffee containers and I was filling all these up and taking them to the dump on the weekends every two weeks to the hazardous waste disposal people so they could properly put the kitty litter or whatever they needed to do to dispose of it properly. And it just got to be a little bit too much of a hassle. Um where alcohol so, evaporates like nobody's business. Correct. So I just, I said, well, let me go with the isopropyl and it will, it will evaporate right into the air. And then what is left behind, I can put out in the sun, it'll cure up. And it, it, it kind of, what's left behind kind of looks like, um, skin grafts. It's kind of gross. Um, <laughs> and it has this weird smell, like the grossest McGriddle you've ever smelled, like very maple syrupy smelling. Um, and I think that's because they're resins. They're based on plant material. And of course, maple syrup is a, technically a resin. So it's interesting how there, there's this maple syrup smell to it. Um, and then I'll just put that in a, in a uh, trash bag and it can go in the dump like normal. Uh, nice. But your water, water, water washable is good, but you do have to realize that you still have some disposal issues and you do not want to wash it right down the drain because the uh, wastewater plants do not have the ability to treat for that. Mm. So how many sports mascots do you have in your collection? Sports mascots. Is that, is that like a guy dressed with like, uh, like as a, as an animal? Yes. One. Really? Cause I'm, I don't see it on the site. I'm looking now and I just wanted to note to everyone how amazingly detailed these figures are. I tell you, I'm telling you, it's it, so it cool. Like it doesn't make sense. I can understand if you're just a regular Etsy person and you know not from 3D printing and you're looking at this and it's like magic. It's like <laughs> actual magic looking at these. Uh, they are stunning, especially the ones you have where you've had someone else paint them to yeah. show the detail, like the snakes that the you snakes. have here. Yep. Uh, and, and we need to note, as we often do, I hate both Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. So a lot of this stuff does not fit into Bruce's aesthetic at all. And yep. still, I'm positively stunned by it. Uh, the the only mascot I have, so I do some fantasy football stuff for a okay. uh, a um, a game that may or may not rhyme with Udol. Okay. Um, and uh, one of the teams that they did that for um, was called the Vegan Elves, and it's um, it's elves based on Vega from Star uh, Street Fighter. <laughs> so it's Vegan Elves, and then their mascot is a um, a, a piece of uh, basically a standing piece of broccoli. Uh, let's take a look. So if you go to fantasy football and go to vegan elves, you'll see the broccoli figure. I haven't printed it yet. Nobody's ordered it. So I haven't had a chance to print that one yet. Oh, there. Oh my good. Yes. That is definitely it. That is Mr. Broccoli right there. Yes. And I think I sell Mr. Broccoli by himself just in case somebody's like, I really want a broccoli figure. I also have some models of, uh, bananas with like AK 47s and, nice. um, militant, basically militant fruit. Um, I have an artist that, that has like strawberries that are, are shooting guns and stuff like that. 
<laughs> not sure. I, I haven't figured out why I want to post that, but you know, because uh, the, blue, the blue banana is the default costume in Fortnite right now. Ah, and so there you go. Fortnite. It's Fortnite adjacent. And there's another one. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a huge um, ear of corn with an AK 47. Nice. Um, it's, there's a bunch of fruits and vegetables. Uh, so they're, they're apparently good for you. I haven't figured out like, should I, post them in a new section or not but it's again i get up i get 200 models a month and i have to figure out okay what what do i not have i need to get more sci-fi i need to get more of this i need to get more of that um i just back and well let, let me change uh, gears for a second it used to be i would go on kickstarter okay i want to back a game i want to back a game um board games <laughs> got too expensive on kickstarter just straight up they're just too expensive for me now uh, especially the shipping from China. I just can't afford any more those kinds of things. So what is coming is pretty much my last Kickstarters that I'm going to get involved in for board gaming. But I started doing STLs because they deliver um, within two weeks. The files are already done. As soon as Kickstarter clears the money, the files are sent to me and I can start printing right away as long as I can get a commercial license from these people. And it's been interesting to the algorithm has shifted to my kickstarter it's like oh you might be interested in this you might be interested in this and suddenly i'm not getting many board games and i'm getting tons of stl requests from from kickstarter check this one out check this one out um and uh, I'm, I'm constantly looking for stuff on my store that i can sell that will fill a niche that i don't have um so i recently started getting into some sci-fi stuff uh, one of my bigger sellers has been fallout power armor nice um 10 different sculpts of the power armor from fallout. And my buddy was like, that would make an amazing 40 K team, you know, Warhammer 40 K of nothing but fallout armor. Um, There's some uh, fifth element police. You can get the Mangalores. Um, It's just, Oh, there's so many options. And of course uh, some of it is copy protected. In fact, I can proudly say I was, I had some sculpts that were totally Lord of the Rings the sculptor had changed the names of them, but I felt that those names would not help me sell anything. So I changed them right back to, hey, would you like to get Gandalf and Gimli and Legolas? And I got an actual cease and desist from the estate of J.R.R. Tolkien. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pretty proud. I've got it um, proudly hanging next to my first dollar bill um, that uh, I, got a, I got a cease and desist. I just pulled the models. I'm like, that's fine. I, 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 I made a couple bucks off of them. And, uh, you know, I can post them back up and call them. I have a couple on there now. It's like half elf sorceress. Okay. Well, if you look at it, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's this character such and such it's Arwen, whatever. Um, or half, half elf, half elf princess or elf princess or something like that. But yeah, it's, uh, it started off with just a, let me, let me try this out. And suddenly I'm, I'm running a little side business. My, my coworkers are like asking me if I'm going to be retiring. I've hired my daughter on the side to just pack orders for me because I would rather be posting new things and getting plates ready for the next printing. And my daughter comes in and puts it all together. And uh, so my daughter will come in and she'll wrap it in like little burrito bubble wraps. And we've got, I've got six different box sizes. I mean, I've got the, I've got a whole, um, Donald, next time you come over, you'll see how the game room has turned into an, a, a, basically a business now. Nice. Well, okay, cool. Um, I, I do need to talk to you about the best way to ship something to Canada. I'm sure you've had okay. to do that. I have. Uh, but let's let's move on. It sounds move like on. we've talked about 3D printing for quite a while. That um, was a metric 15 minutes. Sorry. 
yeah. definitely. Why don't you give us a real quick, where can it be found once again so that uh, I can put it in the show notes? So actually, I'm going to give you three, th- three things, uh, two things that helped me and where I am. Um, I recommend checking out Uncle Jesse, J-E-S-S-Y, on YouTube. Um, he's got good reviews of all of the different systems and just some really great uh, help uh, for you running into this situation, running into this situation. And then mm-hmm. finally, 3D Printing Pro, it's one word, um, has some supports. Just look up 3D Printing Pro Insane Supports. Um, he has the best supports I've ever found, and it's all I use now. And it is, he has literally changed my life because when I put those supports on, I can print them with almost no failures. Very rarely do I get a failure. They come off, and, and they just basically peel off the figure. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, there was a time where I was having to pull it all out hand, hand by hand, and now it just comes right off. I can be found on Etsy, uh, Bubble Buyers 3D Prints. And uh, that'll be in the show notes. Nice. All right. Um, so I, I'm going to talk about, you know, from this whole list of things that I've got here to talk about, I think I'm going to talk about something that's still new and rolling out uh, even as we talk. And that is uh, the new Peacemaker TV show on HBO. It's the follow-up to the James Gunn Suicide Squad series, or a movie that was on this last summer. Last I don't know. came out not too long ago. And it takes the least... Well, my least favorite character from the entire movie uh, of reprehensible characters and uh, and makes a delightful show out of it. Have, have either one of you been watching Peacemaker? Yes. I have not. Okay. Well, um, to sell it to you, we're not going to get too spoiler in this. It's not that kind of show. Um, the best character in the entire show is Eagly, um, who is delightful and a joy and needs to be in every scene. I'm just going to say that right now. Straight up. Um, the uh, So it takes this character, Peacemaker, who had zero emotional growth um, and zero character development in the uh, Suicide Squad movie. And this whole series seems to be about you're learning sort of where he falls on the yes, this is good and that is bad spectrum. And it's not always where you expect. You know, he's just very much a, well, you know, Batman's kind of a wimp because uh, he keeps beating up a clown and putting him in jail so that he can then get out of jail and murder people again, kind of guy. Um, and whereas uh, he will completely kill anything that is, you know, doing a significant crime. Um, but it's him and his misfit band of people uh, dealing with a growing threat uh, that I think is hilarious. And um, the opening credit scene alone, even if you're not going to watch the series, is definitely worth going onto YouTube and watching the opening credit scene to Peacemaker because I'm pretty sure that uh, John Cena, it's John Cena, right? Is that right? Yes. And yep. John Cena, the, the guy who plays Peacemaker, can actually dance in tune with music, but you would not know it to watch the opening credits. And the credits project a whole lot. Uh, one thing, it's not spelled out, but the characters who are part of society and who are generally considered regular functioning characters, they are all dancing in tune to the music and generally in step with each other. All the misfit weirdos that are in the opening credits are dancing to their own song. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) I didn't even notice that. But no, when you see the police, right? The police lady and her partner come dancing out. They're in step with each other. I'll I'll have to pay attention again. I didn't even notice that. And that is awesome. 
And so it's not just that this guy can't dance. It's that he is viewing the world differently and it's all reflected in. Now, this being a James Gunn feature, uh, if you've seen the Guardians of the Galaxies or um, Suicide Squad, you know that music is a huge deal and a huge part of his stuff. And the, all of the music in Peacemaker is not my music. It is the music I grew up around. It is not music that I would say, let's stop and listen to this. But it is so well used and it so well works with everything that's happening here that if you like the hair metal or whatever, you're going to really like that as well. Also, if if you pay attention to it, a yes. lot of it is not real. It is like a bespoke fake hair metal made for the movie or for the TV uh, show. Oh, really? I, I'm not follow the hair metal enough to know. So, yes. So cool. if you every once in a while, because it has like the pastiche of <laughs> this is hair metal, they've done perfectly. But if you listen, all of a sudden it will like directly talk about the scene you're watching. <laughs> That's the only way I could tell. Because sometimes it'll be like, then he walks into a bar. And like he literally walks into a bar. Like that's the only way I could tell is sometimes it will comment so directly about the specific thing that you're watching that it had to have been bespoke music made to sound like, you know, Queensryche or, or Quarter Flash or whatever, <laughs> or the Scorpions. And is clearly just made somewhere to sound like that rather than actually being uh, music from any particular group. So I'm not familiar enough to to back you up on that, Bruce, but it really sounds like what House of Pain is a song I've heard before that was in this last episode that that works in so well. But yes. I could be wrong. So Oh no, definitely. It's not all of the songs, but some of them, if you all of a sudden like you'll catch a word, if you're watching a movie, you might all of a sudden there's like a random song lyric that hits you, and enough of them hit me that I was listening. And yeah, in some cases they comment so directly about the scene that I believe they were made for the movie. Wow, I just assumed that all it, of them. That it sort of was James Gunn's special genius to find uh, B-side stuff from from an album or whatever that was like, nobody's ever heard this song because it wasn't top 40, but I liked it, so we're putting it in. And and we may find that it's almost like BBC. BBC is also very good at that, of finding like unrelated music that directly comments about the thing they're doing. So I guess I, I very well could be wrong because I'm also no aficionado of hair metal, mm. but usually it's so on point that I'm like, there's no way. Uh, and so while it is hilarious, it is ultraviolet. It is in places. It is also not afraid of sexy time. It has, uh, some characters you don't expect to see. They managed to get emotion out of characters and character combos where you go, all right, these guys are never going to have an emotional moment or whatever. Um, and, and uh, anyway, so Peacemaker is a great series. If you are into the James Gunn aesthetic at all, I guess is the way to put it. If not, nothing's going to convince you to like this show. Is James Gunn involved in this one? Yes, it's his show. Okay. It is, so he's still part of it. Okay. Yeah. He he just decided that I'm going to write this show, and they said, okay. Nice. Because so. I, I, when I saw the Suicide Squad, and, and excuse me, um, DC is a little bit of a nerd blind spot for me. Um, was mm-hmm. Peacemaker a character in the DC universe prior to this, or was he created for that movie? No, he was in this. He was He existed previously. Okay. Um, because he strikes me as the Punisher meets the Tick. Yes. <laughs> he's oh god, he's like that Punisher that was in the Tick. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy that yeah. just cries and shoots his guns. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I, mm. I can't remember what his name is, but the one that yeah, that, that like he, they got sued by Marvel because it was so close to the Punisher. It was like uh, major, major damage or something like that. But yeah. <laughs> yep. 
It feels very much like that. It does also feel, and tell me what you think about this, Donald, is it's almost as if they made the Suicide Squad movie and then someone said, did you say that character was played by John Cena? People <laughs> like John Cena. And someone went, people like John Cena? Yeah, no, no, no. Like a lot of people really like him. We should do stuff with him. And they're like, oh, we did horrible things to his character. He's almost irredeemable. And they're like, then we're, I guess we're going to have to make a series, aren't we? Uh, oh, it okay. It very much has that kind of feeling to me. So my feeling was that they did what they did with him in the in the movie so that he could do the heel turn and be a more interesting character in the show, that it was specifically set up that way. But I don't know. I don't know the or- order in which this occurred. And you're probably right. But it does almost feel to me like they realized they had a likable person. And they were like, oh, we, we probably ought to flesh that character out a little bit more. Yeah. But I'm sure this kind of stuff gets all worked out ahead of time. Uh, but it does feel like all of a sudden they realized they had a bankable actor. Yes. And I, you and I have had discussions about you know, wrestling actors. Huh. Um, and the more we get into this series, the more I go, okay, he can act. I mean, he, he's got a future uh, possibly even beyond the, the dumb comedy action adventure stuff, which is, is not something you see a lot of people get out of when they cross genres. No. And that's what a lot of people have been saying over the years. Cause if you remember like wrestling actors back in the day, it was uh Hulk Hogan, that piece of trash, uh, and he was terrible. He, but he like, like to be honest, if we're really going to be honest with each other, and this is all my 1980s kid nostalgia, he wasn't a good wrestler either. Uh, he was good at working a crowd. Like he was very, he was a good showman, but like mm-hmm. he wasn't a good wrestler. He had three moves, and one of them injured him so bad he lost three inches of height over the years. Like holy mackerel! Yeah, the leg drop. He said in a lot of interviews he wishes that hadn't been his finisher because it compacted his spine over the years. Oh, God. Um, he banged like, himself. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Oh. Like, in other wrestlers that had to learn over the years, like, not to take that kind of move as your finisher, because if you should, God willing, have a long career, you're going to have to throw your whole bottom half to the ground uh, thousands of times in your life, and the human body is not ready for that. Uh, but he wasn't particularly good there. Then there was Rowdy Roddy Piper, who he had a couple movies and he was all right. But now like these new, this new level of um, wrestler, some are looking towards acting. And I think a lot of them are like taking acting classes now and looking at acting as a legit future to no longer have to throw yourself at the ground at a high velocity for the rest of your life. So that's how you get people like Dwayne, the rock Johnson who he said, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm a pretty guy. I know how to do this, all this wrestling stuff. I bet I can learn acting and get into that world. And now he's the new Arnold Schwarzenegger. So I think John Cena is the next evolution. Um, I'm excited to see who else gets into that that chooses they really want to act and be a real actor, which right. I agree with you. From what I've heard in a lot of interviews, especially for the stuff he did, like the Amy Schumer movie, she was saying what an amazing uh, comedic timing he has. She was like, I really didn't expect it. We hired him because he looked like he did. And we weren't ready for him to be able to ad lib on set with everybody else and push them harder. So I'm excited to see what, what happens for his acting career. And I would have been, I mean, based on how the Suicide movie, Suicide Squad movie played out, that that movie would not have done him any service as an actor if this series hadn't followed. Agreed. Because this is going to open him up to other stuff. And I mean, I loved Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, he was my action hero growing up, right? You know, Conan the Barbarian, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, but no, he can't act. 
let's, let's not pretend no. he's an actor. Um, and his primary skill before that was building muscle and flexing on stage. Yep. You know, then he had some, you know, some comedic stuff and whatever, but it's nice to see that more performers are getting into, into this. And we mentioned, other, well, I think that's enough to talk about for, for Peacemaker. Go watch it. You're going to see characters, obscure characters picked out of DC lore and mentioned or put in, you know, Matter Eater Lad gets a name drop at some point in the series. Uh, just, just things like that. So you're going to get some, some fun stuff with it. Go and go and check it out. Uh, but Bruce, you've got a video game to talk about here. Uh, I already talked about it at the start. I'm sorry. No, you've got something else. What are you doing with cards? Okay. So uh, here on Inverse Genius a while back, I talked about uh, the stuff that Topps was doing where they were bringing in uh, sort of surrealist artists to remake baseball cards. Mm. Uh, and that's become a big deal. All these artists from all over, some that are um, incredibly realistic. They do unbelievable paintings that look like photographs. They're so good. I mean, like you're looking at the kind of stuff where you look at the masters and compare them to the folks that are doing the kind of stuff that they're doing. Um, and this has also led to a whole bunch of people uh, that have become sort of amateur artists on Etsy and all kinds of places making their own cards. And I have sort of stepped down that path uh, because I love Donald. You mm. tried to get there earlier. There's nothing I love more than mascots. Uh, I am a huge <laughs> fan of them. I am starting a collection a couple times in baseball. Certain baseball sets have made mascot sets where there'll be 30 cards of mascots. I collect those. Mm. Um, I'm currently commissioning other artists to make me mascot art. And then finally, I decided to go full punk rock DIY and just start like playing around with the tools that I have, like Procreate and try to start making my own baseball card designs and then just make them for mascots. Cool. And now five days a week, if there's not a holiday, I put out another mascot madness card uh, through Twitter and on my personal Facebook where I take some mascot from somewhere, uh, sometimes minor league baseball, a lot of times lately from like cereal boxes or any suggestions that people make to me where they're like, oh, would you try to make one of this? And I make a Mascot Madness card set. Um, nobody knows this, but I've actually gotten one of them printed. I'm waiting to see what it looks like when it comes back. Uh, so I might actually make physical cards in the meat space just because I think uh, mascots are underserved uh, in the uh, trading card space. Uh, so your, your boy might be making bootleg trading cards <laughs> of uh, Captain Crunch. Wow. Okay, so you're doing it for your own entertainment. You're circulating them as memes. I'm sure that everybody's loving this. Uh, what, when do you expect to get a knock on the door uh, from one of the mascot owners? Um, I, you know, so here's the thing. I think as long as I don't sell them, I'm never going to. Um, right now, essentially on Twitter and on Instagram, uh, if it's like a minor league baseball team or a brand that I don't think is going to get mad at me. I'll actually tag them. And a lot of the brand reps have taken the time to like either thank me or come back or say something or kind of play with the, the thing because so for instance, uh, somebody I'm in Baltimore here and somebody was like, Hey, if you're going to do mascots, do Natty bow with the national bohemian guy. And then we also have a potato chip around here. Utz potato chips. It has yes. the Utz potato chip girl. And famously, there was an ad campaign in the middle of one of the intersections in Baltimore where it was uh, Mr. Bo, Natty Bo on his knee proposing to the potato chip girl 
from a local jeweler that became the thing. If you were a hip Baltimore kid for about three years, your wedding cake had uh, her and him on your wedding cake because it was a thing. So people were like, we'll make those. So I did. And actually, Utz Potato Chips took the time to have like their mascot account uh, talk to me <laughs> on my card. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun. I think, you know, like, don't get me wrong. Uh, I think you requested Captain Crunch. When I did Captain Crunch, I didn't let them know I made it. <laughs> I didn't tag them because I didn't feel like hearing about it. Uh, because getting Captain Crunch. So the rules for me is the front of the card has to be a live walk around outfit. If your mascot doesn't have a walk around, I don't do it because I want it to still feel like a baseball card or a football card or, you know, something like that. Um, so like Captain Crunch, I had to find a really weird photo shoot Captain Crunch did in 2014 with, I can't remember her name, John Legend's wife. Uh, oh, I'm forgetting it right now, which is Chris, again. Chris something. Uh, Chrissy Teigen. There you go. Uh, he did a photo shoot on the beach with Chrissy Teigen in 2014. <laughs> and that's the only walk around costume there is. I can find of captain crunch. So I had to like cut her out of the picture to get captain crunch in there. But I am positive that I could not print these. Uh, Cause I can't imagine that a general mills or whoever holds that uh, would, would necessarily want that. I don't even know why they ever did it. Neither one of them are near a bowl of cereal. It's almost like she was just at the beach and they're like, Oh, we happen to have this $7,000 mascot costume. We've literally never taken out Chrissy. Would you mind sitting here for a few photos? Uh, so uh, what would so you put, Bruce, what would you put on the back of a cop captain crunch card for stats? Okay. So in the back of the captain crunch card for stats, first you give it some sort of a tagline, uh, for Captain Crunch, I think I literally told you his real name. It just said real name, uh, Horatio Magellan Crunch. Mm -hmm. And then for stats, every time the only stat that's real on any of the cards is, is I give the year of origin. Cool. So I give the very first time that there's a reported appearance of said uh, mascot. So for Captain Crunch, I think it was in like 1964 or something. Uh, first appearance, 1964. And then after it. If I can find something in lore about them. So for Captain Crunch, it is Captain Crunch is a uh, a well-known lover of chess and currently sits at a record of 248 wins and seven losses. Uh, which I found on a random website that also of dubious quality, but I decided that if somebody else took the time to write that lore, I was going to use it. Um, I noticed, yeah, that his likes were chess with that record and his dislikes were mouth roofs. Uh, was, was what I put oh, uh, today's, today's card. If you want to figure out when we did it is today, I did Juan Valdez, uh, the, the coffee icon. Uh, and for his, I noted that uh, he has a, a mule named, I want to say Esmeralda, but it's not, I have to see it again, but I g gave the mules name. And that also he is a well-documented shapeshifter having completely uh, rebuilt his body a minimum three times into similar looking, but clearly not the same person. <laughs> I mean, that's because Juan Valdez has been played by three actors over the years. So often I'll... He's a time lord. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that is what I will do with all of these, is I'll usually take some kind of like factor quasi-fact and then bend it just a little bit uh, to make the cards. But every one of them has some sort of a tagline. I think for Juan Valdez, it was the face that raised a million cups. And then just uh, the year they came out and a little bit about them. And then another picture on the back, which if there's like a good, like the Captain Crunch box is clearly the back of the Captain Crunch card. Juan Valdez is that like stamped Juan Valdez Cafe de Colombia that's on like bags of coffee. Uh, so I'll usually mm -hmm. give you like the reason you might know who they are on the back. And then, you know, in that case, the actor that played Juan Valdez on the front. Nice. 
so yeah, it's it's been great. I've been having a lot of fun with it. It's sort of like wordly, but for laying out things. <laughs> and I get to make my own trading cards, which is just one of those like real, um, if you're of a certain age and we're into certain things, it's that kind of punk rock. You're not going to tell me what my cards have to be. I'm going to take it over. And uh, it's been just a lot of fun to do and to kind of put the layouts together and, you know, work on the little blurbs on the back. It's just something that kind of relaxes me every day. Nice. Bruce, did you ever play um, Bottom of the Ninth by uh, Dice Hateman Games? Not only do I did I play it, I have every bit of it, including the Bloodle the Noodle card. Nice, that's a tough get. one to get. Yeah, I was just thinking that mascot. Yeah, because I was at the they like like there was there was a very slim chance at some point I was going to be in that game. Oh. Uh, like very slim. They were like, "We'll see what we can do, Bruce." And I think that was just them saying, "Like we're not really going to try, Bruce, but we'll pretend because you like baseball." <laughs> um, uh, where, so like I was around when all that was happening, so I actually have that crazy Bloodle the Noodle that looks like a playing card. Yeah, I mean, it's actually a worse card than the card you get i don't know why people were so mad and so feverish to get it the the trading card you got in the actual game is better but yeah it's a lot of that kind of energy of you know we're going to make trading cards that look like trading cards because now it's kind of easy to do for a person you can even get like an actual uh printing company to make you a decent quality looks like a real trading card so at that point you know if it's something that you like to do why not give it a try neat that's exciting well, all right. I feel like we're talked out. Unless any of you have something else you're excited to, to blab about. Um, if not, tell people where you can be found on the internet. Sean? Um, I am uh, on Board Game Geek as Barracks, B-E-R-I-X. And I named my Etsy store after that, Barracks Bubble Buyer. Uh, it's Bubble Buyer's 3D prints. Um, you can find me at both of those places. Barracks Bubble Buyer was my EverQuest character from 2000. Mm. Um, so I, that's, it's been my avatar online since then. Nice. Uh, Bruce. So I'll limit it this time to where you can see these cards. Uh, if you go on Twitter, hashtag mascot madness will bring them up. I think I pretty much own that hashtag, uh, with the exception of a couple, every once in a while, like a sports team will make something. If not go to, uh, Bruce at Bruce co thinks, and I post one a day during the weekdays uh, of those mascot cards. If you want to check them out. Nice. All right. And I'm Donald Dennis. You can find me all over the wilds of the internet as Walsfio. Uh, you can find out more about the show and the people who create our fine stuff over at inversegenius.com or head over to Facebook and look for the Inverse Genius group where we occasionally chitter chat about these topics and other things folks are interested in. Uh, well, guys, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.